where nobody knows your name is recorded in front of nobody. Hello and welcome to this episode of Where Nobody Knows Your Name, Season 9, Episode 2, James. Ooh. Cheers, fouls out. But it's not the only name that this episode goes by, is it, James? Nah, it's a Cheers, fouls out a Bar Wars story, for it is Bar Wars 4, unofficially. And uh, it's a it's a pretty fine episode, pretty damn fine episode, I'll say, James. It released on September... Right, Agent Cooper. <laughs> 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 Released on September the 27th, 1990. Written by Larry Bamagia and directed by James Burroughs. And I'd say James Burroughs gets to play with the camera quite a bit this episode. Yeah, there's a lot of dynamics. I think that's the mm-hmm. word we can use. Yeah, I'd say maybe so. I'm guessing some of the scenes later on are on location rather than sound studios as well. Yes, that definitely that looked like location. Didn't sound like location. No, it didn't. didn't. Um, <laughs> but, you know, that's... Uh, Potentially good sound mixing. But yeah, so uh, with with the little Bar Wars, this is my first official, well, it's my first official Bar Wars, but it's not an official Bar Wars, which just feels, you know. Do you feel insulted, John? (laughs) Yeah, through our rotations of uh, both Barry and Troy doing episodes as well. The last Bar Wars that I did was from Beer to Eternity. Not technically a bar, yeah. (laughs) And now uh, it's finally come back around. I'm seeing Gary again. It's it's the same Gary, which is nice at least. Yeah, but it's it's not technically a bar war. Yep, I'm going to take it for one. I think I think um, Cheers as a fan base take this as a bar war. We're going to take it as one today, James, because it very much is. We get to see Gary, we hear about his old town tavern, and we get some nice rivalry thrown. That's true. The only difference between this and other bar wars is it wasn't written by Ken and Dave. Mm, I suppose maybe that's that's what I'm missing out this episode. I've enjoyed Larry's writing on this. I think it's a nice, fun episode. I'm looking forward to getting stuck in, James. Before we get to see uh, any of the bar war itself, we get a lovely cold open. It's I didn't expect to see Robin in prison. I find it interesting that of the two episodes so far, both of them have an opening scene not in Cheers. Hmm. Yeah, yeah. yeah. That is, yeah. We've talked about the Tortellis in a previous episode before, and Cheers was very much in the mindset of what else can we do in this universe? Could you imagine like a Porridge-esque version with Robin Colcord in prison? Porridge being a, a UK sitcom set in prison. Yes, starring uh, Ronnie Barker. Yeah. Uh, prolific comedy writer. Yeah. I feel like Robin's hijinks in prison would be quite good for a, a, a spin-off, or would have been. Do you think he'd, uh, you know, try to... Do you think it would be almost like, what's his name? Jeffrey Tambor's character in Arrested Development, in that he's this, you know, guy with a lot of money uh, trying to influence uh, people in prisons. I was thinking more of like he, he he very quickly was running the prison. Yeah, like Italian job. Yeah, that's, that's what I think would have been fun. But anyway, the, the the fact that we've seen this scene is making me feel like we've got promise of it returning in the, the rest of the season. This is a soundstage. Yeah, yeah. This isn't the scene I was referring to earlier, James. No, no. I was excited to see Robin, Roger Reese returning, now in prison, the promise of more to come potentially. But there's a lovely exchange between him and Rebecca, who's come to visit him in their visiting hours. I, a pun came to mind, but I went... <laughs> Robin is all alone in the prison. You could call it a Robin Island, which is a famous prison in uh, South Africa. I agree. It's like a Robin in a cage. That one's much better. Yeah, we'll go with that one. (laughs) We have very different different trains of thought, I think, James. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) 
<laughs> but anyhow, we learn that Rebecca's been sending letters and pictures to Robin, uh, which Robin hasn't received. Oh dear. And they're particularly uh, lewd. Is that the word I'm looking for? Yeah, I think you could say lewd. Yeah. Lewd pictures. Uh, bit bit saucy. Bit, bit saucy. Oh. Um, Basically, she she sent him pictures in negligee, and then she sent pictures of her holding said negligee. Mm. And uh, one, I don't know why she would trust the postal system anyway. I mean, you got Cliff in there. Like that's that's reason enough, not. Yeah, that's that's what I mean. But but uh, that wasn't the problem. The problem was Cheers because Mm. uh, we cut to Cheers where there's a sort of auction house going on with Carla leading the way, uh, selling off these pictures. And uh, there's a bit of a crowd, some usual faces, but, uh, well, we've mentioned Cliff. He's the one spending big bucks on it. $100. $100 for a nude picture of Rebecca. Hmm, that man is troubled. Well, let's go into the main episode. (laughs) (laughs) Norm is uh, behind the bar. I know, it's a a sight for sore eyes. I, I quite enjoyed that. I thought it was a nice dynamic. Yeah. Fraser walks in and does go, what? Am I in one of Norm's dreams? <laughs> <laughs> Norm seems to know his way around the back of the bar quite quite well. He's been there before, they just don't know about it. Mm. We've seen him behind the bar a couple of times. Yeah, that's what I was thinking. So it was, it was mm. nice to see him back in that role again, but he seemed to be enjoying it as well. Yep. Uh, but he's, he's there to do an hour's work so that he can join the basketball team because they've got a game coming up against Gary. And they need to make up the numbers. Mm-hmm. Do you know, I? Uh, they mentioned that it's a three-on-three game. That's not Which much. to me doesn't feel like... No, that, that feels very constrained. Three-on-three three is not much at all. Yeah, so they're, they're gearing up for that. So they've got to draft Norman, because I'm guessing Carla doesn't want to play. Uh, I would have liked to see Carla play <laughs> for the reason that... In early Saturday Night Live episodes, there was a recurring sketch. You know, Paul Simon hosted Saturday Night Live a lot. Mm. Yeah. He was one of the earliest hosts, but there were recurring sketches in the first season where Paul Simon challenged uh, Kareem Abdul-Jabbar to a basketball game. Mm. A huge disparity in height, you know. Mm. But the recurring joke was that Paul Simon kept winning. <laughs> That's the dynamic which we, we see sort of unfold because uh, Sam comes into the bar to talk to the, the gang and uh, he brings a basketball with him. We get to see Woody's skills. Woody's, Woody's quite skilled at basketball, I'd say. Well, was it Mandy Ingber who said that, uh, you know, when they had breaks and filming or lunchtime, Woody would be on the court. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And uh, they're liking their chances, I'd say. They feel they've got a strong team of three. They're going to rival Gary this time. They nearly beat him last time. Gary is not a tall man. No, he's not. No. Sam's also starts to talk about how he's he's just come back from renewing some old sports contacts because he's got the bar back. He's going out and sort of going out into the world, telling his old contacts, this is a sports bar again. You should come over. Trying to promote the bar a bit. Good business sense, I'd say. This is the thing. Rebecca knew all the business stuff in theory. Just the application of it was was not her forte. Mm. Whereas Sam knew Boston as a city, he knew culture, he had connections. He just didn't know the actual business management theory. He was relying more on instinct than anything. Mm. Yeah. And as as part of this sort of networking that he's doing, 
he was even playing basketball with Kevin McHale of the cool. Celtics. Yeah. Just flexing how he's, he's gearing up for the game with Gary and he's got some good practice in. Uh, I think it's Carla says, why don't you draft Kevin in to play? And Sam, which this is what I think is admirable, goes, nah, we're not going to play like that. We're going to beat Gary Fair and Square. We're not going to draft anyone in. Yeah, that's true. He's an honourable man. Then Gary enters with his, <laughs> with his ringers. Yeah, Gary enters and he's got two very tall ringers in who are... They're college students and they're on the college basketball team, basically. Yeah, I was going to yeah. say, they're, they're probably twice the height of Gary. They're easily two foot taller than him. Yeah. Yeah. And Gary asks to, to pass over the basketball, bounces it, dribbles it once, it bounces up and uh, one of the, the players catches it in their hand, then their open palm. It's it's very Darth Vader or Palpatine, just one hand sticking out and the basket <laughs> basketball just, you know, landing in, as you say, open palm, no effort. Which gets the gang a little bit worried. And they steal the ball. They steal the ball as well. Which, ball. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, Woody's the one that first notices that and Sam gets very upset. <laughs> See you at the gym. <laughs> Well, that Gary's a rat. Yeah, can you believe that? Bringing in a couple of professional ringers like that? No, I meant stealing our ball. <laughs> oh man, that's my favorite ball. I hate that. Give, give me the phone. I'm calling. I'm calling Kevin right now. All right. Yeah. You'll be able to get that ball back for us. He's way big. But it, it leads to them thinking, or Sam actually thinking, maybe he should get in touch with Kevin to see if he wants to join the, the basketball team, because if Gary's going to play dirty, then maybe they need to as well. Yeah, well, but Kevin's got a dilemma as well because he's obviously contracted to play for the Celtics and he mm. feels there's a ethical issue playing other games just for some rivalry, you know? Yeah, but then Gary's pretty hard on this because he's also sort of gouded the bar into setting a quite a high bet as well yeah. Uh, yeah. on who will win. Uh, £5,000, which... Dollars. £5,000. Yeah. We've not used the currency dollar pounds for a while, James. $5,000 on whoever wins, the bars will exchange the money over. And I feel like that's like close to 10000 in today's money. Yes. So it's a lot of, lot of quite high stakes, really. And Sam and the rest of the bar agrees to this. Uh, Woody initially wants to place the bet against them. I mean, it's not it's not affiliated with any sports organisation. He can do what he wants. <laughs> <laughs> But through this, it adds the pressure, and that is what leads Sam to give Kevin a call and see if he wants to do it. Like you say, Kevin's not particularly up for it, and Carla whispers to Sam over on the whilst he's on the phone and says, "Tell him it's for charity." Mm. Where do you where do your ethics lie, James? I think if you're going to tell them it's for charity, then make it for charity. You know, you get the victory of winning against your your rival, but you don't have to keep the money. You know. Is, the, is that victory not enough? Like in the past, they weren't making huge bets. It was for the pride alone. So get off your high horse. Send it on its way. Very true, very true. <laughs> <laughs> but I think that's that's kind of where they stand. But Sam says it's a game to raise money for the orphans uh, mm -hmm. and that uh, he'll ask. But what other team does he say? Lakers? Yeah, uh, Sam, Sam kind of knows how to sort of press Kevin's buttons. Uh, and says, oh, don't worry, I'm sure one of the lakes will do it. They're all good guys. You know, it's only an hour. good guys, <laughs> unlike you, Kevin. <laughs> it's only an hour of their time to change some kids' lives. Uh, <laughs> so Kev Kevin does it. 
and he agrees to it and they uh, he meets them at the bar afterwards to have a chat about it uh, to find out when and where it is it's a it's sort of after hours kind of idea which confuses kevin he says how will the the kids come and watch mm-hmm. they don't necessarily need to like, <laughs> i'm not being i'm not being harsh towards the children i'm saying sam never specified that they were there all he was saying mm. was that the money is for them and uh, Norm has a, a, a Norm's reply is they don't have parents to send them to bed. They can watch at any time. Well, it's like children in need, which is a, is a yearly, I think it's mm. annual kind of fundraising gala that we, is here in the UK. Uh, and it's, you've got lots of comedians and TV personalities in various, often sketches, often mm. sometimes you know pranks or embarrassing things that they're raising money for, like a sitting in a bathtub full of baked beans or some other classic. Yeah. <laughs> um, but because it airs, I want to say it starts at seven, eight in the evening. By the time it finishes, children are going to be asleep, you know, so it's kind of the same thing. <laughs> Nobody's going, well, the children won't be able to watch it. <laughs> That's exactly it. That's a good comparison. doesn't matter that they're not there. <laughs> So Kevin Kevin kind of sees through their lies a little bit, but like you sort of suggested earlier, James, they decide that, you know what, Kevin, it's not a charity game, but we've got a £5,000 bet on this. If we win, the money will go to an orphanage that you that you know. Kevin does it through that because at least, the, at least there's a good outcome. Uh, but he has been played a little bit, yeah? In that they're relying solely on him. Yeah, but also they lied to him. Yeah. They lied to him, but they've compromised in that it will be a charity game if we win. Yeah. And you're a professional basketball player, so <laughs> you will probably do all right. You know? Sam pitches it to the rest of the bar by saying, if we win, Gary's money will be going to charity. If we lose, our money will go to Gary. So what would you rather? Yeah, I'd rather give the money to, to charity. Uh, and Cliff says, I want my money back. <laughs> yeah, which implies that most of the pot was Cliff's. <laughs> As in, he put in the, the most amount, yeah. not more than 50% of, uh, not two and a half K, but more than anyone else put in. Yeah. Now that we know that Kevin's locked in for the game, the game's coming up. Before we get to that, James, should we talk a little bit about, I'd say B plot. It's almost like a B minus plot. It's very light touch the other plot of this. It's a good plot. I like the plot, but it's like, it's oh, barely. I know where we're going. It's Frasier. It's Frasier and Lilith are having a bit of a domestic spat and, uh. He made the amateur mistake. Like I know, <laughs> when when your when your partner asks, "Does this make me look fat?" The fact that he I I don't even remember what he said, but he said the wrong thing, and <laughs> you're supposed to just say no. <laughs> the story of Fraser's life at the moment really is he just keeps saying the wrong thing. I'd say, it's like, like Nancy Reagan said, just say no. <laughs> But he's going a little bit... Uh, he's incredibly frustrated, I guess you'd say. <laughs> yeah, I would say. <laughs> and uh, this sort of is weaved in and out of the plot because... She's reprimanding him by... Oh, yeah, so yeah. yeah. Removing he's... all aspects of physical touch. <laughs> he's saying he's not getting any. That's what he said. And we see him deal with this in various different ways. And at one point, he's sitting there sort of caressing an empty pint glass or a near-empty pint glass. <laughs> and, uh, yeah, he's lustful over a pint glass. Boy, look at the curves on that glass. <laughs> Feel that. 
Boy, he's really not getting any, is he? <laughs> Pathetic. What do you, uh, throw me another beer, will you? Put in one of those girly glasses. <laughs> he's, he's, he's a strange man. There's a, Eddie is our line, which is, uh, I like my women like I like my coffee with a spoon. <laughs> <laughs> Well, Cliff is watching with sort of uh, slight sort of confusion. Then he orders another beer and asks for one of those lady glasses. Yep. Yeah, yeah. It's one of those, uh, a curved one. Yeah. So Fraser is sort of continually getting more and more agitated through this episode, I think you'd say. That's a good way to put it, yeah. And we'll see how that comes to fruition later on. But it's just these nice, lovely beats throughout the episode to remind us of that as sort of this small little plot running through. Fraser. A character is at his best when he's frustrated. Not specifically sexually frustrated, but when he's met with an obstacle and it causes irritation in him. I think Kelsey Grammer plays that so well, though. Yeah, irritated Kelsey Grammer is the is <laughs> the most entertaining Kelsey Grammer. I think even even just through voice acting alone, like with such a Bob... Is a character yeah. who's continuously irritated. Uh, <laughs> when he gets the rake in the face. So I think, yeah, it's always good to see Kelsey Grammer playing that that angle of the role because it's, yeah, he plays it so well. And uh, I, I suppose especially seeing his physical performance through um, this episode as well, where you can almost see the, the veins pulsing in his upper forehead <laughs> as he's sort of getting more and more frustrated. And also we get some lovely dynamics between him and Lilith as well through this episode. And I think B.B. Newith and Kelsey Grammer as a pairing are just, you know, I think it, it, in some ways it's unbeatable mm-hmm. because their dynamic from like their, their first episode together to now has always been this sort of rivalry of intellect. Oh yeah, they're, they're psyching each other out. <laughs> they're such an interesting couple because they do play these battle of wits with each other often. but there's clearly a magnetism between them (laughs) they're they're fascinating to watch (laughs) (laughs) but anyhow james this is uh if we move through the episode we get to this is one of the rare occasions where we get to see sort of something that's talked about and we get to see the basketball game james yeah my first thing is this is where i think this isn't a soundstage I think this is a location because the camera goes wild. But what I wanted to quickly say is, does the Cheers gang know how to chant? Because <laughs> <laughs> um, they, they chanted a lot. I think I think they made their own rules at this point. Because <laughs> they run in going like, Gary, Gary. And I was like, oh, Gary's team's coming in. And then they come in and I go, what's going on? Yeah, They were looking for Gary, weren't they? Who chants the other team's name, though, in such, like, support and positivity? That's a good question. Um, <laughs> I don't know, but it reminds me of, uh, was it Spain? Either Spain or Italy, I forgot which one it was. But when they were playing England in one of the World Cups, and England won against them, mm. and England started chanting, Championne, and the other team went, why are you, ch- why are you shouting mushrooms? I, I don't understand. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah. maybe, maybe we'll get that later in a Bar Wars Part 5. We'll get some, some mushroom chanting. But, yeah, so they, they arrived before. This is where initially I was like, yeah, three aside doesn't look like a good game. Nah, it can be played, but it's so... Oh. <laughs> yeah, it feels if you, like this is... I, th- I thought previously there's more of an audience to these, these matches. Mm-hmm. 
And this felt very much like a PE class. Yeah, it almost felt like it was bullying. <laughs> yeah. Did you play, were you a baller back in school? Excuse me? <laughs> a, a basketball. Oh, a basketball. Yeah. <laughs> Just occasionally, I guess. Did you Did you shoot some b-ball? Some hoop. Shoot some hoop. You a yeah. hoop shooter? Yeah. yeah. We're, we're, I think we'd be quite evenly matched, James. Well, we're a similar height, aren't we? I think we're exactly the same height. We're exactly the same height, and we're six, both six foot ten. <laughs> <laughs> the, the audience don't know that they've never seen full full profile shots of us. Um, but yeah, we're similar height, and I think we're a similar build. You know, yeah, like we've played football together, and we both have a similar strategy of run and get in the way of other people. Yeah, which is a, a genuine strategy in basketball, isn't it? So, yeah. Do you you fancy a quick uh, one-on-one after this recording? (laughs) I I think we can muster up four other people. (laughs) (laughs) Other hosts, Barry and Troy, uh, they'll join. You can have them, and I'll get some ringers in. (laughs) Kevin McHale's still around. (laughs) (laughs) Well, speaking of Kevin McHale, he's sat down uh, tying his shoelaces when Gary and his uh, ringers come in, and Gary comes over... He goads Sam a bit, has a, has a bit of sort of banter to say, ah, good luck with this. And then Sam says, have you met our new barman? And uh, we kind of get, <laughs> we get what I would say is the back to the future shot. Biff and McFly. Is it? Yeah. Marty McFly starts on Biff and then Biff stands up and we get this sort of over the shoulder looming shot with a very worried looking Marty McFly. And we get the exact same thing as uh, Kevin McHale stands up and sort of leans and towers over Gary. Hey, McFly! uh, (laughs) It's a bit like that. And then as he walks away, he says, oh, you're balding on the top a bit. You're balding on the top there, fella. (laughs) Yeah. And it's a lovely moment. And it's why I think this probably isn't a soundstage is because they start playing with a lot more camera shots, close-ups, some tracking shots, some handheld camera, because we get a basketball montage, James. It's a montage. (laughs) No, we don't get that music. We get like... What would you call it? I don't know how. It's it's similar to that. Yeah, it's a very sort of classic sitcom hijinks <laughs> from the Dick Van Dyke show. Mm. And it's a lovely moment, but we get to see lots of really playful interactions as they. Uh, I think Norm crawls through the legs of one of the uh, <laughs> one of the one of Gary's team. We get to see Woody, who just sort of, with all his ferocity, slams the ball on the floor. It bounces up. Kevin grabs it and slam dunks it. Yeah, I mean, Woody is a good ball player. And what what, what I found interesting was Sam just sits out, which I find odd. I thought I thought Sam would have been a better choice to play than Norm. Given Sam's mm. a former athlete, you know, and and he said he'd been playing with Kevin before. Yeah, but they were playing playing golf before. That they? is true. <laughs> I'm I'm decent at golf because I hail from the land of golf, London. Yeah, <laughs> James, you're born in London. Uh, I've spent many a time in the land of golf. <laughs> yeah, so we get these this lovely playback, but all the way through, Sam sat on the side of the. He's the only person in the audience, and he sat there with an unlit cigar. Yeah, which I don't know what's going on with that. <laughs> <laughs> ah, we got a good, we got a good game. Yeah, he's, he's very much tra- channeling like a a manager kind of idea, I guess. Yeah, do you think he saw Coach with cigars? Coach was partial to a cigar, wasn't he? 
Yeah. Um, did you think you saw Coach with a cigar and was like, this is what coaches do? <laughs> Maybe. I didn't think we'd see... When we started this podcast, James, I didn't think we'd see Sam sitting in what I can only assume is a school gym, mm. chewing an unlit cigar as he watches a three-a-side game of basketball with Kevin McHale in. Yeah. I think this is where the series was going. Yeah. Well, <laughs> they do an establishing shot of TD Garden, don't they, um, just before mm. this, but I don't think the actual court there is the TD Garden. It's not big enough. <laughs> no. It does look like a school gym, yeah. <laughs> but Frazier attends halfway through the match just to talk to Sam. He says, oh, maybe you should pull Mikhail out. What's the score? 72. To what? To two. 72. Frazier says, maybe you should just pull Kevin out. You've already won kind of idea. Sam says, ah, now we're fine. Norm, Norm gets tapped out. I don't think anyone taps in for him, but he runs over, he runs to cheers for a pint. But he says, oh, I can't, too tired, Sam. Ah, <laughs> uh, oh, yeah, have a beer. And then he, gnome-shaped hole in the wall. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's my quote from this episode. Gnome-shaped hole in the wall. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> then Kevin trips, does something. Yeah, off camera we hear a scream and we find out Kevin has uh, fallen on the floor. We find out that Woody, I think, but walked into him or bumped into him mm. or fell on him. Uh, but we, we see Woody trying to pop his leg back out or back in or something. Yeah, doesn't work. No. No. Surprisingly, Woody can't fix the leg. Not only did he not <laughs> fix his leg, he broke his spirit. <laughs> but back at Cheers, uh, they're waiting the medical... Results, I guess. Yeah, it's just the next day they're celebrating the victory from uh, from down the stairs. Which is a doctor comes in to tell them Kevin is uh, badly injured with a, a, a sort of hairline fracture, I think, and is going to be out of the game, out of the Celtic game in the actual league. They immediately think this is going to bring bad press for the the bar. Sam's already said he's trying to build it back up as a sports bar. That's mm-hmm. not going to go down well. Yeah, when they've taken out one of the. Uh big players so they're, they're thinking what can we do to keep this hush Sam tries to talk to the doctor and said you'll keep our name out of this when you right and the doctor sort of goes no well, doesn't bother me <laughs> you know. uh, and this is where Carla's sort of street smarts comes in because she says how much money would keep it out of the out of the papers kind of idea yeah uh, he says 10,000 she negotiates down to five and that is their winnings from Gary so they give him the, the check basically yeah. Give him an envelope of five thousand pound. Yeah, I think. I what the envelope didn't look very thick for five thousand dollars, did it? Uh, we've seen fifty thousand in a like a little bum bag last season. That's true. Well, you'd only need let's say you got fifty dollar bills because I don't think hundred dollar bills would have as much circulation. You're looking at a hundred fifty dollar bills. Yeah, it isn't that much actually. Yeah, in terms of thickness. Mm. Yeah, but anyway, the money's gone. Which is bad because as soon as the doctor leaves, pretty much, Kevin walks in. Fine. Walks in. Walks in. He's fine. Oh, yeah. And this is to the surprise of everyone else in the bar who thinks he's laid up in hospital. Yeah. And he arrives with uh, Father Conrad of of the Sunny Grove Orphanage. Yeah. Always nice to see another father. We got Father Barry the other week. Uh, yes. It's a, it's a priest off. <laughs> We're not doing that as a bar fight. Yeah, we are. Yeah. <laughs> But um, they're ready there to receive the money, and Sam realizes that Gary has duped them once again. Even when they win, Gary wins. Is the sort of saying that he says. 
Well, yeah, because they don't have the money for the orphans. Carla says she's going to do a whip round the bar to try and get the money back. To try and get $5,000. (laughs) We see her walk over to one guy and say, we're collecting money. He says, what for? Good cars. (laughs) Yeah, she just says a good cause and like tries to threaten him. A vague threat, I'd say. Why not just go, oh, we've got a father in for for orphans. This orphanage, yeah. I don't know why she... (laughs) I like you no need to lie, Carla. I just... This is an actual thing you're doing. Yeah. Uh, Kevin, Sam tries to talk to Kevin and say, Gary stole the money off us kind of thing. Gary has our money. No, Sam, it was never your money. It was the orphan's money. Yeah. And uh, Kevin doesn't fully believe Sam, I'd say. Um, but Gary walks in uh, primed for this situation mm-hmm. uh, because he's got... Gary's Old Town Tavern jackets to give to the, the the father and Kevin. He's got a, a huge jumbo check for £5,000. And there's a photographer that's been lined up to take a picture for the newspaper as well. He's, he's lapping up the glory. He, he played them like a fool. Sam is sort of stood there to the side. Carla's collected as much money as she can. Sam says they've got a donation and it's pitiful. And Gary takes uh, Kevin and Father Conrad to collect a bus full of orphans to have milk and cookies at Gary's. Sounds lovely, actually. Yeah? Yeah. The gang's been hard done here. They've lost episode four of Bar Wars. Yeah. The whole bar's feeling pretty low on themselves. They feel pretty pathetic, I'd say. See, it's what I thought of uh, all along. They tried to get pride and money, and in the end, they had neither. Mm. Yeah. The gang at the bar are feeling pretty humiliated, but there's almost a, a silver lining to this because... Of, at their lowest point, we find that Fraser is at an even lower point that makes them feel a little bit better. Let's get Gary. What are, we, what are we doing, man? We're pathetic. What? We've been trying to get Gary for eight years. We never win. We're pathetic. There's nobody more pathetic than us in the whole world. Oh, please, Lilith. Anything. A back rub, a handshake. Blow me a kiss. <laughs> They've found their feet with their chance. Shall we talk about the uh, the cast? Yeah, that sounds like a good move, James, because it's a busy cast, I'd say. Busy cast indeed. B.B. Newirth as Dr. Lilith Sternan, Roger Reese as Robin Colcord, Kevin McHale as Kevin McHale, uh, regarded as one of the best power forwards of all time. He retired in 93 and went on to work for the Minnesota Timberwolves until 2009. His roles there included TV analyst, general manager, and head coach. Joel Polis as Gary, James Hornbeck as Dr. Walter Fronmeyer. Don't know how I managed that. <laughs> he, also, he also appeared in Happy Endings, There's a Crowd, Misfits of Science, Dynasty, TJ Hooker, LA Law, Who's the Boss, ER, Babylon 5, The West Wing, The Practice, Vice, and many more. James Nardini as James, Lee Vines as Father Conrad, this was his last film and TV role. He also appeared in The Defenders, The Fantastics, ABC After School Specials, Wait Till Your Father Gets Home, Hong Kong Fooey, Rhoda, and The Mary Tyler Moore Show. Lee Allen, Susan Evans, Don Bennett, and Joan Carey are all uncredited as bar patrons. These are, of course, people who have been stand-ins uh, for the various Cheaters cast over the years. But that's not the only person I think we should mention. Because uh, in the credits, we get a dedication for this episode as well, James. We do. Uh, to Stephen Kolzak, who uh, died on September 19th, 1990. 
so quick turnaround in terms of putting mm. that in the episodes there. Uh, born on 19th of February, 1953, he was a casting director for Cheers uh, from 1982 and chose a lot of the Cheers cast. The GLAAD uh, Stephen F. Kolzak Award, given to openly LGBT members of the entertainment community in eliminating homophobia, has been awarded since 1991 and was uh, he was the first recipient of which and it was given to him posthumously as well as being the person of which the award is named after. So, you know, he's definitely been uh, influence and important figure in the TV industry. It's only a week a week later that this episode came out, so it, it, it's obviously prominent in their mind to to give thanks to him, especially as you say, him being the casting director uh, in the in eighty two when the series was coming about, very influential on the show, and yeah, fitting that they've put that acknowledgement at the end because, uh, like you say, his impact on the entertainment arts landscape huge. And I think especially with being one of the uh, the Bar Wars episodes, it's one which we'll uh, always rewatch fondly and, and have a great sense of that impact because such a, a big episode, we get the return of Gary. When you're going through the cast, James, I, I, I almost forgot that Roger Reese was in this. We get sort of all aspects of Cheers through this episode. So it's a, a really nice one that sort of encompasses the whole series as a whole. Cliff, hello. I see you weren't at the ball game. Yes, yeah, you should be ashamed. But as usual, before we open our letters, we have to give a shout out to our norms on Patreon. So this goes out to Treb Curry. If you want that special norm treatment, then check out our Patreon page for that and so much more. I've got a question for you, James. Last week, we talked about how Cliff uh, will give some trivia each week. He does give a little nugget of trivia this week. What is it? Do you remember? Oh, uh... Is it to do with the origins of uh, of basketball? It, is, it was invented yeah. by Celtics themselves, yeah. the, the Celts. Yeah, that was it. He, 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 it was only a small drop of knowledge, but he found his moment, he gave it, and he just <laughs> went from there. What is the address of Gary's Old Town Tavern? Oh, I don't know. 555 Main Street. And how far is that from Cheers? It's walkable. Yeah, it's walkable. I've walked it. We kicked off this episode, James, with Fraser saying that it was reminiscent of a dream of Norm's. Norm said it was very close, but there were some differences. What were those differences? Something to do with Vera. No. No idea, then. He's behind the bar, but he says in his dreams, the kegs are a lot taller and he can fly. <laughs> oh, classic Norm. Here we go. What are two movies in which... Woody Harrelson plays basketball. Uh, white Men Can't Jump. Yes. Uh, does he play it in Zombieland or something? I don't remember him playing it in Zombieland. I don't either. I'm just guessing. There's uh, one where, two? <laughs> no, there's one where basketball is, is pivotal in the plot. Yeah. Um, A recent one. Oh, is it the one that came out this year? Yes. I have not seen it and I cannot remember the name, James. So, so talk us through it and give it a bit of a review. Uh, it's Champions, uh, released in 2023, where Woody Harrelson plays a minor league basketball assistant coach who, after a incident with the police, is relegated to do community service and coach team with mental disabilities, uh, and, you know, and, and neurological uh, difficulties. And he is a basketball coach for them and helps them 
strive for the Special Olympics. Quite uplifting, quite uh, amusing. It's uh, done by Bobby Farrelly and has a great ensemble cast to support Woody Harrelson and Caitlin Olsen. I give it 7 out of 10. A good, good, well-rounded review there, James. I, I must admit, I forgot the name, but it's definitely on my radar to watch. I'm hoping to watch it soon. But I, I'm pretty sure there's a, a basketball scene in Solo, a Star Wars story as well. <laughs> I remember Chewie doing some slam dunks. <laughs> slam it, Chewie. Another one about Woody. When they were talking about the Celtics, he doesn't like Larry Bird because mm. he's from the town of French Lick, Indiana, mm. uh, as opposed to Hanover, which mm. is where Woody's from. But what is the capital of Indiana? Oh, that's not a question about Woody. That That is a geography question, James. Yeah, but when I Googled it, I went, oh, yeah, of course. <laughs> In, uh, Indianapolis? Yep, well done. Oh, it's more logical than I was... Yeah, which literally just means city of Indiana, basically. <laughs> Throughout the whole discussion with the orphans, they don't actually know where the orphans are. But Woody, reading the newspaper, finds out. So where are the orphans, really? Oh, I don't remember where they are, really. I remember the lies. Sam said they're at the circus and Woody says there's no circus in town. He says they're at the monster truck rally, but I don't think, I think Woody disputes that as well. No. I don't know why Woody keeps arguing with him. But <laughs> I can't remember where they actually are, though. The boat show. Ah. Yeah. Well, that sounds nice. That's rather a nice time. Okay, James, we talked about the basketball montage. Well, some lovely shots throughout it. How long was the montage? In terms of... Length. <laughs> In terms of time for us. Yeah, yeah. Not... Yeah. Uh, I'm going to say, how much leeway do I have in terms of seconds? One second leeway. One second leeway? Yeah. One minute twelve. No. By my clock, it was just over 45 seconds. It feels long, though, doesn't it? A lot happens in it. Yeah. But yeah, a really fun 45 seconds of of some sports montage with (laughs) lots of quirky basketballing in there. As you say, we get to see... (laughs) Quirky uh, basketballing. (laughs) We get to see Woody Harrelson show some of his skills that we'd see in later films as well. My final question, how much money does Carla wrangle? It's $11 something. Correct. But much like your last one, you, I'll give you one cent leeway. $11.24? No, $11.75. Ah. Oh, well. I think that's last call, James. Oh, the Bar Wars episodes. It took me season nine to get one. Uh, and it's still only half of one. Um, I think uh, to Stephen, uh, Stephen Kozak, how special milk and cookies at Gary's. Oh, that's a good show. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Got nothing else. With that. <laughs> you know, a big oops. Big oops. Yeah, which is a potato flavoured snack. <laughs> I think it's also, it's not just flavoured, it is potato. <laughs> mm, tastes like potato. But no, we'll go for the, uh, the milk and cookies, I reckon. And uh, we'll do a toast to, I suppose there's a lot of people we could toast for this episode. Kevin McHale. Kevin, he good sport, wasn't he? <laughs> uh, also, uh, Joel Polis. We should toast as well for a, a great role. Bibi Newarth. Roger Reese. Lots of returning faces, which is nice to see. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I think they all worked together as a team to make a great episode. 
With that, we'll raise our milk and cookies and say thank you for listening to this episode of Where Nobody Knows Your Name. This has been a Cheers podcast. Mm-hmm.